It's not enough, though, to say that I inherited, as if through genes, my love of freedom and equality. These things don't pass in DNA, so figuring out exactly how I came to love democracy demands some further thought. To my great surprise, I think I may owe these passions to my grandmother, my mother's mother. She was the so-called black sheep in a family of genteel and gentle people, suspended from kindergarten, as one story goes, for treating other children badly, or, as another tale tells it, in receipt of failing grades in elementary school for self-control. Very late in her life, she was diagnosed with some form of bipolar disorder, was medicated, and became kind. I was glad to get to know her then and find something in her, if not to love, then at least to feel some affection for. For when I was small, she was not kind. After my grandfather died and my grandmother finally decided, I think out of necessity, to overlook the fact that her daughter, my mother, had married a black man, she began to visit us. I was probably around eight. She insisted on bringing and making us drink Tang, because this is apparently what the space shuttle astronauts survived on. I recall she generally smelled pretty rank, and she was full of criticisms, particularly of me. I drank too much water. I could be expected, for reasons unspecified, to become an alcoholic. The worst, however, was that I should shave off all my kinky hair and wear a wig. If I chose not to do that, I should expect to get nothing from life. No love, no job, nothing. She tended to write letters with keywords set out in uppercase. N-O-T-H-I-N-G. My mother had an inspired way of dealing with this bullying. She changed the table seating arrangement to seat my grandmother next to me instead of across from me. Seated beside me, my grandmother could no longer see me. The thought was that perhaps if she could not see me, she would not criticize me. This turned out to be true. Invisibility brought at least a lessening of affliction. It was my younger brother, though, who rescued me finally after a few years from my torment. One day, in the wake of another tear storm occasioned by my grandmother's harsh words, he said, and he couldn't himself have been more than eight at the time, it will only bother you if you let it. You just have to ignore it. In this instance, since my grandmother's words were truly only words and had no other material effects, he was right. I found a way to free myself by ignoring my grandmother. By refusing to take her seriously, I established for myself a platform for agency equal to hers, even if she didn't know it. I could feel for myself how much stronger I was for knowing that my way of seeing the world was equal to hers and that my way, not hers, could be the basis for my life. I cannot abide seeing someone bullied. Perhaps it is there in that small but fundamental instinct that my own driven commitment to egalitarian democracy was born. Even the most intimate relations bring to light how fundamental to human flourishing is equality. This point, however, simply leads to another question.
What seven-league boots can take us from personal to political? How and why does one leap from a concern, which surely we all have, for decency in human relations, to a love of democracy? How does one come to understand that these things are connected? And how might this all happen in childhood? Because I did love democracy and, above all, equality before I left youth behind. Working with my night students brought me back to my origins. My father certainly took up my political education from an early point. The summer I was seven, he had me read Ivanhoe, and let's go ahead and rehabilitate another repudiated text, Uncle Tom's Cabin.